Today, I'm delighted to be joined by one of the sewing legends who I connected with thanks to the wonderful Mary McKnight. Pamela Leggett is the founder of Pamela's Patterns and a renowned sewing teacher who has shared her sewing wisdom through a wide variety of channels. If you are a Spread subscriber, you may have seen Pamela's workshops and teachings featured in their articles. Pamela has been teaching sewing since the 1980s. She specialises in pattern fitting, sewing with knits and using overlockers or serges. And her passion is to help people create garments that fit and flatter them. Because there's so many topics that Pamela has experience in, I've split our chat into two episodes. So this is part one, and that means you get a cheeky little bonus episode next week with part two. Pamela has also given us a generous special offer for you, my wonderful So Mindful listener. Valid until the 1st of November. And I've included that at the end of both episodes, so listen out for it. In part one of our chat, we talk about some of the amazing tools that she's developed. We talk about her sewing pattern range and the special features that she includes to make them easier to fit and her top tips for how to approach the fitting process. In part two of our chat, she shares tips on fitting solo and a secret resource to help you if you want to try out the Palmer and Pletch tissue fitting method. She also gives her wisdom on how to work with different fabrics and how they impact fit. And I quiz her on what she's making and what she finds most tricky about sewing. So there's lots to share, so let's get on with it. Here's the delightful Pamela Leggett. Hello everyone, and welcome to the So Mindful podcast, where we dig into the tips and topics that will help you have great fun making clothes that make you feel fabulous. I'm your host, Jackie Blakemore of So Much More Fun, and I can't wait to share this week's illuminating episode with you. So let's roll the tape. So I'm delighted today to have a chat with Pamela Leggett. It's lovely to speak to you, Pamela, a bit of a legend, and I'm a bit awestruck, if I'm honest. So it's so great to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time out. So for anybody that doesn't know you, could you just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? So my name is Pamela Leggett, and I'm located in Vernon, Connecticut, and I am a pattern designer and an instructor and now kind of an inventor of sewing tools as well. So um, my main focus started with this part of my career as a pattern designer, and it's not something that I had ever done before, and I just did it because I wanted a better pattern right out of the package for my customers. So I was really concentrating on the fit of the pattern more than the style of the pattern. And so that started off just as something for my customers and ended up being a business. All along the way, I have been an instructor, a sewing instructor since 1981. And so that has always been my passion is teaching sewing. And over the years, that's expanded into teaching nationally in the United States. I've never gone to Europe to teach yet, but I also now teach virtually. So I'm reaching people all over the world, which is a lot of fun. And that just happened since COVID. As far as the inventions go, I started developing certain tools that 
I either thought were necessary for what I was teaching or tools that had been discontinued by companies that I really missed. And so I would redo those with my own, you know, ideas about it and find manufacturers to help me produce them. And so that's been a lot of fun as well as developing new products to sell. Fantastic. I'm fascinated about the tools. So can you give me some examples of the kind of tools that you have in your range? Yeah. So I have a line of rulers. One is called the Curvy Ruler, and it's actually designed after the armhole curve for my knit pattern slopers. So when I'm designing my knit patterns, a armhole curve for a knit is different than an armhole curve for a woven, where the the ruler for a woven armhole almost looks like the number six. The knit one is much less curvy. So trying to use that really curvy ruler for the armholes of a knit, you couldn't really do it all in one fell swoop. So I wanted to have a ruler that actually was this armhole curve. And the reason I really wanted it, other than for myself for designing, I wanted it for my customers because measurements or the fitting challenges is armhole depth. And I wanted also to be able to show people how to shorten the armhole and then true it back up so that it looked like it originally did. And this armhole curve ruler really did the trick by being able to true it up as well. That I found as I started developing different pattern hacks where you could change a neckline or a hemline, and then it just became you know, really crazy. Like I'm changing everything on a pattern and teaching classes about that. That same ruler became very crucial to rearranging necklines and hemlines and so forth. So it has a couple of other measurements on it that are really great. The other one that I loved the idea of was something that could help people measure the stretch of a knit fabric and also to see if it recovers. So I developed this stretch ruler, which you hold the fabric in between two arrows, and then you pull on it to see how much stretch it has. So it will have the percentage increments so that you can see exactly how much it stretches. But the most important part of that is, does it spring back to where we started? Because if it doesn't spring back, you don't want to use that fabric as it won't recover from stitching, it will just look stretched out. So that is the stretch ruler. Then a one by six ruler is no great invention. There's a lot of quilting rulers that are one inch by six inches. But the one that I have, if you are working on a light color fabric, you use one side of the ruler. And when you're working on a dark color fabric, you flip the roller over, use the other side, and you can clearly see the markings no matter if you're doing light or dark. Now, all of my rulers are actually manufactured by a small woman-owned company called Stitch Bud. And you will see a lot of her really cool rulers at her website. And she makes my rulers for me. And I love working with her. Other products are pressing tools. So now this has changed, but going back, say, 10 years ago, it was nearly impossible to find a point presser clapper, which used to be made by Dritz and June Taylor. And there was also a sleeve board 
that I think was only available through June Taylor. And those products, when June Taylor shut down, those products became obsolete. And I was panicked because I used them a lot. So I found a couple of woodworkers that could make those products and to my specifications, because for me, when I'm shipping things out, they have to be easily shippable without breaking and so forth. I've changed the dimensions a little to fit what I feel would be good for shipping and all, but I'm really pleased with them. And then also it's called a seam stick, which is just a half of a very like big diameter dowel made from maple that lets you press seams well. Another one is my pin magnet. It's like a magnetic pin that you put on your shirt and it holds a lot of pins very securely. Rather than having them in your mouth. Yeah, the wrist never worked for me. And also the the ring ones never worked for me. But there was a company years ago that made these pin magnets and I thought they were wonderful and I sold them for many years, but the company went out of business And during COVID, I decided I would try to recreate my own version. And I could never get the magnet thing right. Another woman-based company called So Tights contacted me about their magnet products, hoping I could use them in my garment sewing. Then it just like, boom, popped into my head. Oh my gosh, they know about magnets. Maybe they could help me develop this. And so they did. And so we've been producing this pin magnet now, which is really special and wonderful. So, oh, and one more, I I know there's probably more, but there's one more newer one and it is a pattern tracing fabric. So unlike pattern tracing paper or like Swedish tracing paper, this product does not rip or tear and it's easy to write on and it's very thin. If you were to baste it together like muslin, it really reacts like fabric. Now, the fitting method I use is called tissue fitting and this works great for a digital pattern. And in order to do a tissue fitting or a tissue try-on, you would have to transfer that pattern to something that would be more pliable that you could put on your body. And that was the other thing I really wanted it for because all of my patterns are available now in paper or as PDF downloads. So I wanted something that people could trace them off and still be able to actually try that on. So that is another new product. I think I'll stop there. There might be some others that like <laughs> off the top of my head. Like an audio catalog, Pamela, I love it. But yeah, so many great ideas of things that come from your practical experience of needing those tools. And I'm totally with you about the pressing tools. I remember when I found my first pressing clapper and they just make such a difference, don't they? And I do have a dowel for the seam stick. I use that all the time. So little things like that are just so helpful, aren't they? Fantastic. What a great range of items to have. So tell me a little bit more about your patterns. When did you start creating your own patterns? It kind of came about organically because in the late 90s, I took classes with the Palmer Pledge Company and learned more about their tissue fitting method. And it was just very eye-opening to me. I'd been teaching sewing and fitting for a very long time. And it was difficult to find a method of teaching pattern fitting to just an average sewing customer. You know, they haven't gone to design school. They don't want to go to design school. They just want patterns that fit better. 
And I had a really hard time finding a method of fitting patterns that people could really grasp onto well. I was always intrigued by the Palmer Pledge method and had been using and reading their books for a long time, but I don't think I was using the whole method. When I went there and learned it and then started teaching it, I started to see that at least 80% of the women I was fitting had to make the same seven changes to the pattern. Now I'm talking commercial patterns. So in the States, you know, back then we were using McCall's and Butterick and Simplicity and Vogue. There were not very many independent pattern designers. There were a handful for sure, but not, not like it is today. Mm-hmm. That's the norm. So when I started fitting people with these commercial patterns, which were all kind of based off of the same blog, but all had different types of ease and like wearing ease and design ease incorporated in them. I just felt like the same seven adjustments came up every time. They would be in different increments depending on the person, but they all showed up. And I felt like it was because the commercial patterns were, you know, even though when you make them, they go from a two-dimensional to a three-dimensional item, the way the patterns were drafted was still rather two-dimensional. And I really felt like if I could make a pattern that when it went together, it was more three-dimensional, that I would have a better chance of having patterns fit people better. And so basically, that's what I started doing based on my Power Fletch training and fitting people into shoe. So it was one of these kind of organic things that just happened. And then I decided, oh, I'll just make some patterns for my customers trying out my new ideas. And they worked so well that I, I, I honestly never thought it would become a business. I was just doing it for my customers, but then it became a business. And I'm still very happy with the whole concept of it and how the feedback I get from people is that they are so happy to be able to make a pattern right out of the package. I mean, not that you wouldn't have any changes because every body is unique, but I do put in a lot of examples and ideas and times when you just should check the fit and what simple things that you can do. So some of the fit issues that I address in the patterns are a little bit of a high round back. And all of these are just small increment things that make a difference because there's very few people who have a completely straight back. There's a little bit of roundness at the top, which is just normal. And then also the shoulder patterns are drafted. So if you were standing very, very straight with your shoulders back, the shoulders would be in the right place, but that's not how we normally stand. So I put in a slight forward shoulder adjustment. Also, as patterns get larger in size, in commercial grading, the armholes are going to get longer and the shoulders are going to get wider. Now, I don't do commercial grading, so I do it all by hand. I'm kind of a dinosaur when it comes to all of this. (laughs) I do everything by hand. I don't do it on a computer or with a grading system or anything. I kind of picture in my head what my customers look like. And what I've noticed is that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a size six or a size 16, your shoulders are still about the same width. 
Yeah, they definitely don't increase in the same ratio, do they? I think that's exactly. definitely the, the case. Yeah, I mean, it just would astound me that a commercial pattern would have like a seven inch shoulder when I know a woman's shoulder is around five inches. So I just made sure I keep the shoulders more intact. I give adjustment lines for adjusting an armhole to get it where you'd like it to be. And then the other thing is, is on commercial patterns, the pattern standard is that they're not realistic as far as retail sizing or ready to wear sizing goes. Um, so I wanted them to be a little bit more realistic. So somebody didn't have to feel bad about what size they were choosing because it was so different than ready to wear. And so there was kind of that thing where I wanted to get the sizing a little different. And I also wanted to add more room into the waist and the hip area because so many of my customers were bigger in the waist area and in the tummy area, especially as women get older, that's just something that naturally happens to their body. And so I really wanted to have that available for people as well, which means that if you are thinner, you just need to take them in a little bit. So the last one is I add a separate front in all of my patterns that are tops or dresses or cardigans, you know, anything that has a neckline and an arm ball and a bust. I also do a full bust adjustment to one of the pattern pieces so that if you are a small bust, you can use the version for that. And if you are a larger bust, you can use the one that already has that built in. Fantastic. We'll talk about the designs in a second, but they are really easy to use. I've tried a couple of your patterns and they are really straightforward. And I think the other thing that you include that I really like is you know, slight variations, where to cut for a different neckline. You often get sleeve variations, but you don't always get neckline variations. And there's something that is quite a personal thing, I think. My mum and I talk about this a lot when she's making quite a lot of the necklines. She doesn't want to show this front part of her chest these days. She wants a bit of a higher neckline. And having those different options, I think is great, you know, already built in and easy to use. So yeah, lots of great features. And as you said, I think I definitely now tend to make at least a size or two sizes bigger for the waist and the hip because my ratios aren't the same as the ratios that they're using when they are creating the standard charts for measurements. So it's lovely to be able to just pick your size and it's likely to be the right measurements for me, the whole size. I can just use the whole thing without having to mess around with sort of blending too much between sizes. I find them really easy to use and, and really helpful. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. And a good variety, yeah. Would you say your clientele are probably more sort of 40s plus? Yes, I'm definitely designing for a more mature figure. The commercial pattern companies, I feel, are designing for a slender 14-year-old figure with a small bust. And even as the sizes get larger, it's still that same type of figure. So it's not changing really for what a larger size person looks like. And Typically with the commercial patterns, the plus sizes are really still only just maybe one inch larger in the bust, waist, and hip. So it doesn't reflect well. So I'm definitely designing for that more mature figure, or I guess actually I kind of think of it as more of a realistic mm. figure. Because mm. when you say mature, you think, oh, for older people. But I mean, if you think about it, a woman who has had a baby is a mature woman and their figure changes after they have a baby 
So to look more mature, you know, it's not like it's an old thing. It's just that it's not that super youthful figure. And to be honest, how many youthful people have that slender, small bust figure? Yeah. So I don't want people to think that when I say that I'm designing for a mature figure, that it means somebody that's older. It really is just for somebody who has curves and maybe they're not in the same places as they used to be, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think about about myself and my bust line has dropped a little. I, I have a, a more of a tummy than I ever had and my bottom is not as full as it was. So the measurement might be the same, but things have shifted. My upper arm used to be nice and toned. It's not that toned anymore. Maybe if I went to the gym more, then I would have better luck. But I don't because I'm silly. Um, <laughs> and that's what I choose to do. But it's like that where, you know, it is, I guess I like to think of it as just a more realistic figure. I think that's exactly right. And I think lifestyles have changed and body shapes have changed since the days of being corseted. And I think that does have an impact on how our bodies shape during life as well and posture changes and things like that. So I think it's good to allow for that in pattern design but I think it does make it a nightmare to try and create a standardized set of clothing I, I think that's so hard now for manufacturers it doesn't really exist does it there isn't really a standard body shape in the same way that maybe there used to be yeah I agree with that and you know when you said like our lifestyle changes when I was young my mom used to make me walk with books on my head and you know, you're at the table, sit up straight. You're in school, your teachers would tell you, sit up straight. You know, I don't even remember doing that to my children. So it stands to reason that if that's not something that you're told to do all the time, your body doesn't naturally do that. It does change the way that our posture is. And I think it's true, just it is different than it was years ago. Yeah, and I think just... Having the tools then to understand that and to try and change for that, I think is, is really helpful, isn't it? So yeah. do you have any tips on how to test for fit and how to identify fitting issues? Have you got a particular process you follow? How do you work? Yeah. So well, like okay. I said, I was trained with the Palmer Pledge method. And the reason that I like that method so well is because it is teachable and it is a step-by-step -step process. So when I was saying before that I couldn't find a process that worked well as far as teaching people how to do this themselves, when I tried this Palmer Pledge method of tissue fitting, I actually found a method that was easy to teach. It was documented in their books and in their videos. It was step-by-step -step and you got great results without having to make muslins. I get going to my first class there and they said now after you learn this method you will never make muslins again and I remember sitting there thinking well I spent all this money to come I'll do what they say while I'm here but when I go home I'm making muslins but I went home and I didn't make muslins because essentially the tissue or whatever product you use to make that becomes your muslin. And after doing a couple of these fittings, you become so comfortable that you really don't have to make muslin as often. Now, I won't say that I never make a muslin, but it's more rare nowadays. So this method follows an order. 
And it basically kind of starts from the top down. So you start by deciding where you want your armhole to sit on your body. So like I was saying before, a lot of patterns and also a lot of ready-to-wear that you buy, the armhole depth might not be in the position that feels comfortable to you. Now, I know right now the styles are going, you know, more like the 80s, 90s, where we're having some more drop shoulders and deeper armholes and so forth. And certainly there's a place in fashion for that. But a classic style would be a more fitted armhole with a shoulder that fit at the end of your shoulder and an armhole that is maybe just an inch or two below where your body is. And that gives you a lot of range of motion. In other words, when the armhole is cut like that, you can move your arm all the way around and feel comfortable. This was made abundantly clear by Coco Chanel when she was first designing in the 20s. And her main focus was to make clothes for people so that they could move around and feel comfortable instead of being constricted. So that's the first place that you start with the tissue fitting method is getting the armhole in the right place and adjusting that. And I think that's a bit counterintuitive as well, isn't it? Because I think some people would think that you should have more room in the armhole and that will give you more movement. But actually, it is the opposite effect because all that does is every time you lift your arm up, the whole garment comes up rather than just your arm coming up, doesn't it? It is so true and it is so counterintuitive. You're right. And and yeah, if you have a deep armhole and a big shoulder, you really can't raise your arms up very well. So it really blows my customers' minds sometimes if they've never heard that concept and I tell them and then I show them how that works. They're just, wow, that really <laughs> works, you know? And of course, that all has to do with style. But even a garment that's designed to be a long armhole, like say maybe a dolman sleeve or a batwing style or something like that, you could still make it a better proportion for you by shortening the armhole. So there's room for improvement no matter what style it is. Yeah. And so that would be the first thing I would check. Then the next thing I would do is go to the back. And I would check to see if the back neckline comes up to where it's supposed to come on my body. And if it's not coming to the right place, then I would look at the curve of the back. Do I need more curve in this back seam or this back center back area? And where does the curve need to be? Is it higher up like near my neck, which is kind of the most typical? Or with some people, their backs get rounded lower. Is it lower or is it both? Yeah. Then the other thing I check is the width. Some of us have a broad back or maybe even just more muscle or fluff in the back area. And of course, that's something that happens a lot with a more mature figure. And so you would check to see if the pattern is at your center back, does it come to where it should, where your arm and your body meet? Yeah. If it's too wide, you would narrow it. If it's not wide enough, you would widen that area. Yeah. And for anyone who's not used that method, so the Palmer Pletch method was designed for tissue patterns, wasn't it? Before the independence, I guess, but that's designed for tissue patterns and you fit just half the body, don't you? So you take the pattern piece and you pin it together or stick it together wherever the seam allowances are. 
and you put it onto your body and you're basically trying to line up, as I understand it, line up the centre front and the centre back and see where the bits are that don't fit. And as you say, if you're fitting half the back, if it doesn't go across your back far enough, then obviously you need it to be a bit wider. If that seam line doesn't go there and if it goes too far, then obviously you need it to be a bit narrower. Yeah, and thank you for for saying that. I think I eliminated that part that you're, okay. you know, <laughs> you're, you're getting that tissue on. And also there is some, a little bit of prep work to do on the tissue so that you can get it up close to your body without ripping. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this method is that I've watched some videos and read some books from back in the 40s where they were actually using this method, but it never really got, you know, well documented or kind of taken to the completion of it. And and the, all of the things that I read, they never talked about preparing the pattern so it actually go up close to your body. That preparation is taping, using scotch tape to tape the armhole and the neckline areas um, at the seam allowance and then clipping into it just so that it's up close to your body without ripping. Yeah. So it works out so well. And you just kind of move on from there. So you don't do everything at once with this tissue fitting method. You actually do a few items, like maybe the high round or low round back, the broad back, the armhole adjustment, and possibly looking to see if the bust is big enough to go over your particular cup size. Then you would take that tissue off your body you would unpin it all and do all of those adjustments. Now, you're saying, okay, that sounds great, but how do you do those adjustments? Well, there is a book that Palmer Pletch put out called The Complete Guide to Fit. Yeah, just amazing. And we'll show you all of these things step by step on how to do them. So I won't go into that part today, but that definitely is a wonderful way to do it. Then you would pin it back together. And then the next things you, you would check is, say, the width of the garment. Is it big enough to go around your hips or your tummy? How is the shoulder sitting? Is it right? Is the shoulder sitting so that the end of the shoulder seam is to the center of your arm? Or is it going backwards, which is very typical, which indicates a forward shoulder adjustment? Also, the width of the shoulder. Like I said, a lot of patterns, as they grade them out, they get wider at the end of the arm. So, you know, how is the width looking? And then one of the last things is how does it hang in the back of you? Is it hanging straight down your back or is it kind of moving to the side, which would indicate a sway back adjustment or a flat derriere adjustment? The same adjustment can be used for both. And so once you go through these processes and you try the pattern on what's really amazing about it is that when you first put the tissue on, it doesn't fit you at all and you're struggling. By the time you get all the adjustments done, you put the tissue on and it feels like a well-fitting garment already. And that gives you the confidence to say, hey, I can just go ahead and cut this in fabric. Yeah. You know, and I didn't even mention checking links. Like you'll be able to see, oh, do I need to make it longer? Do I need to make it shorter? You know, just very simple things. So you really don't do a lot of measuring, which is yeah. wonderful. You know, I remember when I used to teach fitting, I would teach like 
oh my gosh, we'd have a chart that was a whole page long. <laughs> and we'd take all these measurements and then measure the pattern. But it didn't really work well because it didn't address the dimensionality of a person. It just did these around measurements are up and down. So that's basically how I go about it. Now, with my patterns, since I've done a lot of those adjustments already, in the instructions, it will give you some simple adjustments to look at before you cut out your fabric. And then all along the way, it will tell you, okay, sew your shoulder seams, pin in darts if there are any, and check that. And if it's not okay, this is what you do. Now do the next couple of steps. Now try it on again and check this part. So it'll prompt you if you read the instructions. Yeah, I think that's so important. I've been chatting with some sewing friends recently. And one of the things that's come to light for me, I think, is I do very little to start before I actually start checking the sizing and the fit. Whereas another sewing friend of mine can't wait to get to the end of it. And then she'll try it on. It doesn't fit. And then you're unpicking loads of stuff. So over the years I've learned so as little as you can get away with to try it on and then kind of keep checking and checking and checking before you actually do any finishing any of those kinds of things because you can do a lot more when there's less sewn together a lot more adjustments than you can once it's constructed and it's a lot more fun because if you're making the whole garment and then it doesn't fit oh my gosh you're frustrated you're disappointed now you don't want anything to do with that garment. But if you trust that the process of sewing is all about doing something and trying it on and doing something else and trying it on, and also not being afraid to change those things and not being frustrated by it, I think that's a really important part of sewing. Uh, I know it's something that I really try to instill in my customers that every fabric is going to be different. Your sewing is never exactly the same, like your cutting and the seam allowances and all of that are always going to be slightly different. Your body is going to change a little from year to year, you know, so all of those things make it so that you really can't be guaranteed that something is going to work for you unless you do it in a slower manner. And in the end, it actually takes less time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the idea of doing this methodically is actually a time saver. Also, another interesting thing is I teach people that 25% of the entire time to make a garment really should be spent in that planning part. You know, that's the part that's really going to set the stage for success during the process. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely a lot longer to unpick something than it is to sew it. I can't unpick it as quick as my sewing machine can sew it. So it's always going to take longer, even though I, you know, I end up doing that sometimes. But yeah, like you said, if you can do as little as possible first and keep checking it as you go along, I think that's a really good method. So as I mentioned in the introduction, we've split this into two parts. And we're going to wrap up by sharing the special offer that you have for listeners today. So do you want to share a bit more about that? Yes, so all my patterns are available in a digital format and all but three are available as a paper pattern as well. 
So what I would love to do is offer your listeners a 25% discount, good until November 1st for any digital pattern. And that way you have your instant gratification. And for those of you outside of the U.S., you don't have the exorbitant shipping costs. And the promo code for that will be all capital letters, so mindful, 25. Amazing. So definitely go and check that out and take advantage of that offer. Thank you so much, Pamela, for chatting with us today. It's just been amazing. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And remember to join me for part two of our conversation in episode 67. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the show notes in the description area of your podcast app and click to follow or subscribe. Or head over to somindful.com forward slash podcast, which is S-E-W-M-I-N-D-F-U-L dot com, where you can also sign up for an email reminder so that you don't miss out on any juicy episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please help others find us by leaving a review if you love this episode. And I'm always excited to find out what you got from the episode and how you plan to use the tips. And finally, if you have a question, feedback or a topic you'd like me to investigate, then you can also email me at hello at so muchmorefun.co.uk. So until next time, stay gorgeous and have so much more fun. <laughs>